Hello and welcome to a newsflash episode of Unpacking the Case, the podcast by David Jones-Bold, the real estate law specialists. As always, I'm joined by our head of legal training, Richard Snape. Hello, Richard. Hello, Lizzie. How are you? I'm well. You? Ah, not too bad. Not too bad. Cold. It's good. It is suddenly turned wintry, hasn't it? It's August as well. But uh, anyway, probably got me pull over on. Great. Well, we're casting our mind back to sunnier times in July when there was a, a judgment in the county court in a case called BMW UK Limited and K Group Holdings Limited. And this case is in relation to the Landlord and Tenant Act 1954. Um, and there's a couple of different issues that this one brings up. So do you want to start? Um, well, start with some background into the case first. Yeah, it's, well, it's about 54 out renewals and the, the renewal terms. Uh, shall I tell you where, you know, set the scene, if you like. Please do. Yeah, it all took place in Park Lane in London. And uh, you know Park Lane? I've heard, I've heard of Park Lane. Should I know where it is? Well, it's on the Monopoly boards. No, oh, that's why I've heard of it, yeah. <laughs> well, My London geography is not very good. No, it isn't, is it? It's quite famous. Um, it's got, well, it's it was a... BMW were the, the leaseholders because there, there's a lot of car dealerships. Uh, it's 70 Park Lane, to be precise. It's, it's called Aldford House, which has got commercial premises, these BMW uh, dealerships. Uh, and uh, upstairs, it's um, it's residential. The actual freeholder, as in all that area, is, uh, is Grosvenor, Grosvenor Estates. Uh, but they granted a long lease back in, I think, 1980, uh, I think it was, to uh, somebody called KGH, who were part of K Group Holdings. That was a, well, at least a 120 year lease coming to an end in 2100. And then you know, KGH had then granted, K Group had granted uh, shorter leases to uh, BMW. And uh, the, the leases were up for renewal. It was 54 out protected, and leases were up for renewal. Uh, the landlords, you know, so they, they weren't opposing a new lease and they accepted a lot of the terms, including the new lease should be a 10-year term. But they wanted to include a, a landlord's development break within it and BMW objected to this. And basically that's what the case was about. Are you able to include a landlord's development break or when are you able to include it on a 54 at renewal? So what was the first issue then? Well, basically, it's can you include a break clause within uh, a 54 at renewed lease? And there have been cases primarily on development breaks uh, going back many years. One of the earlier ones was a case called Adams and Green in 1978, a court of appeal case that basically said the fact that the leaseholders have a degree of security of tenure under the 54 Act shouldn't prevent development. So they allowed a development break. And uh, do you remember we did a case... Uh, a podcast earlier this year, B&M. Mm-hmm. Yeah. B&M Retail and um, HSBC Pension Trust, which allowed a development break on what I think rather, uh, on, well, difficult circumstances where B&M wanted to renew the lease, if you remember. Um, they served a Section 26 request that uh, the landlord wanted to oppose on ground F, demolishing or reconstructing, 
but didn't count a notice on time because uh, we didn't realize that the notice had turned up during one of the COVID lockdowns. But they were given, you know, um, B&M were given a five-year lease, but uh, the landlord had a development break on six months' notice at any time from the very beginning. Uh, even though there was evidence, you know, that uh, we wanted to redevelop this early 1980s site, um, Aldi uh, were going to take on the premises. And there was even evidence that Aldi didn't want to do anything about the development for about seven or eight years. Um, but... Uh, in this particular case, they didn't want to uh, break the lease in relation to developments. But if they decided to occupy for their own purposes, which is ground G, um, they, uh, what seems to have been the case is that they had this vague intention, which you know the landlords, pay group KHG, uh, sort of really admitted in court, uh, it was um, speculative. Uh, they were in the formative, formative stages of an idea that they should run a car business you know, from these premises themselves. But they'd admit that they didn't know the detail and that anything is possible. Um, what their vague intention was, was to uh, sort of run some business from these premises whereby people's luxury cars petrol and diesel cars should be converted into hybrids and electric cars, but they hadn't planned it out at all. So that was the first issue. Can you have a break in those circumstances? And what was the decision on that one? Well, the judge, his honour, Judge Monty, um, said that um, you know, there's nothing wrong with breaks in those circumstances. And again, like other cases, it said the, you know, the fact you've got 54 Act security should not stop development but it's got to be clearly thought out. You know, the landlords didn't want an immediate break. They wanted a break exercisable in years two, between, you know, at any time with six months notice between years two and five. But the judge, I think quite rightly, decided that it was far too speculative. It was only inquit, which is my word for the day. Uh, What's that mean? Speculative, uh, but uh, not thought <laughs> out. Um, but it's um, I'm determined to use that sometime during the, the podcast. Just drop it in. <laughs> uh, and therefore, the, develop, the the break clause um, wasn't allowed in the new lease. And that was the, the one area. And what about the other one? Uh, it was down to rent. You know, you, once you've decided all the terms of the new lease, that's when you can decide the rent. And obviously, the parties can agree a rent. Um, but um, in the absence of agreement, Section 34 of the Act deals with the rent provisions. Now, a lot of it is much more to do with valuers and valuations than I'll never know about. But uh, Section 34, to paraphrase it, basically says that um, deciding the new rent is basically a market rent. And you have regard to the terms of the current tenancy apart from the rent itself for obvious reasons. That's the thing that's going to be changed. Um, and you assume a willing lessor. You assume there is actually a market, a landlord who uh, wants to basically grant a lease, but is not under undue pressure to grant a lease. And then there's a few disregards of the Section 34, much less so than sort of modern rent reviews. Um, bearing in mind, it's a you know, 1950s piece of legislation, but you're supposed to disregard uh, the tenants or any predecessors occupation on the premises, any goodwill that attaches to the to the tenant. 
any improvements uh, that have been carried out in the premises that were carried out not more than 21 years before the application. And unlike uh, rent review clauses, where you were supposed to you disregard those various factors. Uh, and I suppose unlike uh, contractual rent reviews, the other thing is normally contractual rent review, uh, the review date is, is you know, the date you'd value the rent. Whereas under the 54 Act, it's uh, three months after this matter is finally settled. So at a later stage, that takes into account the fact you've got an appeal. And one of the, sorry, one of the questions for the court uh, was uh, the fact that um, it wasn't just the, the lease uh, in question. There were the three other leases of these premises, you know, all tenants, uh, BMW, you know, the, the tenants and A group being the landlords. Uh, you, as we mentioned, you disregard the tenant's occupation, the premises, the idea being that, you know, if the tenants... Uh, are going to pay more money uh, and more rental for a premises that they're already in occupation of because they don't have to move in, you know, sort of fit out the premises and likes. But what about the other three premises, you know, the other three leases? Do you disregard their occupation? And the court decided, no, you don't. Uh, so you take into account, you know, the other you know, the other premises nearby that are occupied. And so the rent was decided accordingly. It's also amazing how much difference there was between the landlord's experts and the, the tenant's experts. The landlords wanted a, a yearly rent of £2,347,500 per annum. That's what you get if you're in that part of the monopoly board. Um, and the leaseholders thought it would be 810600 there's a lot of discussion, as there always is in these cases, about comparables, which is, they're good cases for the valuers to look at on. Don't mean too much to the lawyers, um, but the final rent was settled at one million four hundred eleven thousand nine hundred fifty-six pounds per annum. I've always impressed how you can be that exact, um, and that's uh, that's the case basically. So, what was the decision on that on that second issue? Well, that was it. That was basically the rent. Again, there's lots of discussions of comparables. There's a lot of car showrooms on Park Lane and. There's a lot of car showrooms not far away in Barclay Square. And a lot of them were just discussing this. And I say it's not really a lawyer's job to tell you how they finally arrived at that rental. I do think it's got implications elsewhere, actually, though. Yeah, what are the broader implications well, of a case it's like this? a good then? reminder um, of rent review generally, you know, not just 54 at renewals as a way of changing the rent, but rent review generally and uh, how you might think about rent review clauses and not just sort of taking standard precedents, but sort of adapt them for the actual premises involved. Um, I say rent review clauses nowadays are much, much sort of more complicated than, than the 54 Act, Section 34. But uh, if uh, you have, if a tenant has neighbouring premises, you always disregard the tenant's occupation in, in contractual rent reviews but you don't always think about the fact that the tenant's going to pay an uplift a special uh, uh price um different than the others um than other people would because they own neighboring premises you know they can treat the, the whole together if you like same with subletting actually um 
you know, you disregard the tenants' occupation. But I remember the case called uh, Martin O'Galleries and Birmingham City Council in 2013, which basically said you don't automatically disregard the fact that there's subleases and the fact that the you know, tenant might suffer because of voids on occasion or management costs and likes. You should really be dealing with not under, under the 54, but in contractual rent reviews quite separately. And so that's another one, Lizzie. Excellent. Thank you very much, Richard. Thank you very much, Richard. And thank you to everybody for listening. We'll see you again in our next episode.